0: hello 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 you're listening to big easy ideas a podcast that features live recordings from new orleans entrepreneur week and builds connections at the intersection of innovation and culture new orleans entrepreneur week or noe as the locals like to call it is an annual event across the city of new orleans every march and is a celebration of startups innovation entrepreneurship and what's next Learn more and check out ways to get involved at New Orleans or noe And now, on to today's episode.
1: The Idea Village, in partnership with Halliburton Labs, brought to NOE 2022 a series of discussions to advance the thinking of climate, energy, and how the Third Coast is poised to deliver the future of energy faster. Well, hello, I'm Scott Gale, Executive Director of External Engagement over at Halliburton Labs, and this is Season 3 of Big Easy Ideas, where we're focusing on climate tech. In this episode, we get to hear from the founders. Adam Mendler moderates a fascinating discussion with those on the front lines of advancing clean tech, hard tech solutions, the entrepreneurs. Nobody has better perspective than these innovators. Settle in and hear from the experts.
2: Excited to be here with a great panel today and what I wanted to do is start off by asking each of our panelists for a quick introduction. If you can tell everyone who you are, what you do, why you're here today.
1: Okay, thanks Adam. Uh, my name is James Martin. I'm CEO of a tech startup in renewable energy called Gulf Wind Technology. I've been in renewable energy since actually got first into it in about 1997, but really seriously into it in 2008. Moved here to New Orleans in 2010, and uh, all about introducing technology to product, so innovation to product, that reduces the cost of renewable energy. And more specifically, I'm looking to solve the problems of bringing wind to the Gulf of Mexico. So hurricane-proof turbines, turbines that work in light wind conditions, and how we leverage all this massive talent we've got in the region to actually transition us into offshore wind.
3: Shiva Adredi, uh, I came to the States in 2008. Energy has been my life. I lived in New Orleans half my life. Advano is my company. I'm co-founder, CEO. Basically one of the biggest opportunities that we have in front of us is energy transition. I'm very thankful to be part of it. What we're doing specifically in that is making better batteries. So we produce one of the powders that go into the battery And then that enhances the performance because many of us who use like cell phones or electric cars, drones and et cetera, there are many applications. There is a light years difference from the end user what they want in their consumer products and the batteries that they're buying from Asia. So we're trying to close that gap. Putting our materials in the battery. So basically, our vision is to have our materials in every battery on the planet so that you all have better devices, better transportation, and everything.
4: Hi, my name is Thomas Brown. I'm a lifelong resident of Louisiana. I am the founder and president of eclaim.com, which is a software as a service for insurance carriers to manage their claims on the internet. And so I'm here to talk about my experience and what it was like to found and grow a company in New Orleans and hopefully give a little bit of insight about how the network and friendships that I've made in and amongst the entrepreneurial ecosystem have helped me grow our business. Thank you.
5: I'm Leonard Nelson, uh, CEO and co-founder of Natrix. And we provide nature-based solutions to the infrastructure market. And we focus specifically on linear infrastructure. So think of your, your coastlines, your pipelines, your power lines, your roads. And as you probably all know, there are a lot of those things in Louisiana. So we were a member of the EnergyX uh, Idea Village cohort in 2020, which was critical for our growth and really understanding how can we help to provide more nature as a functional component of developing and deploying assets as we affect the energy transition. Really, really happy to to be part of this panel and, and kick off
2: the discussion today. And happy to have each of you here. My first question is for the man in the middle, Shiva.
3: What is hard tech? Hot tech is usually harder. <laughs> you can run a PR campaign or like marketing campaign and get like a million subscribers. It's very different. It has a technology behind, like that's the backbone. And then there is like an engineering, scientific backing to build the organization. Basically people play the major role to build hot tech companies. So people, then you need to have a product, then you need to have right partnership, It requires more in-person time, more relationship building than other things because you can use internet only a little bit. Uh, So that's the main difference with hard tech versus everything else.
2: Does anyone else want to weigh in? Does anyone else have a different view or a slightly different perspective on what hard tech is all about?
5: It's interesting, you know, when you talk to investors, right, a lot of investors will shy away from what they perceive as asset heavy companies. But I personally believe it's a bit of an artificial distinction. So you look at something like AWS, it's supposedly asset light, but there's actually an extreme and incredible amount of infrastructure, physical things behind that company. They're just making the experience better and it's perceived as asset light. But you know, if a, if a B2B software company is spending $75,000 a month on AWS, you know, why is that any different than me having a, a lease on a, on a forklift? So I think as, as we look at these bigger challenges in society, you know, as, as founders, whether you're traditionally hard tech or you're traditionally soft tech, we need to think about how our technology impacts the physical world, right? If you're an app and you're distracting your users or you're burning up power with Bitcoin, you're no less responsible than a firm that has you know, those actual physical
2: assets on their balance sheet. Can each of you share with the audience how you got started? What
1: was that aha moment? How did it come together? With wind energy, it's a pretty young industry. And by that, I mean comparable to hydrocarbon, oil and gas industry. So there's a lot of problem statements. So when you're in a larger company, and I actually was with a company 3M, which is a pretty innovative company for a large company, you get to see how a lot of the company structure and the company strategy is linked to a very particular path. And they're not always solving all the problem statements. So something like renewable energy, for example, has a lot of problems. You know, you've got an overarching mission of reducing the cost of energy, but you have a lot of problems from, from workforce, materials, point source capture, efficiency, and ultimately the financial pain point. Because it's not just because it's green, it's because it's an energy source. So that aha moment was recognizing that large companies can't do everything. They do need smaller, more agile teams of people to solve problem statements. And do it with a laser beam type focus. So really understanding the pain point, bringing teams together like we just talked about, putting the skin in the game to actually be a very mission-based team. And that's very addictive. So for me personally, the mission-based problem-solving, team-building aspect was very, very attractive. And it's very well supported by the right partners in industry.
2: This is your second startup. Can you maybe share
1: what inspired you to do number two after selling number one? Basically seeing what I noticed with the first startup is that we generated a lot of intellectual property and patents and and then you see that actually getting those innovations to product is very risk-based and take quite a long time. Larger companies are slightly slower moving. That's That's almost to their credit. They have to be under a certain risk profile. But the market and the energy price and everything about the Gulf Coast is such a hot pot of opportunity. So this particular startup is much more focused on the Gulf Coast and the opportunities we have for renewable energy and transposable skills from oil and gas to renewable energy.
2: Great, and we're gonna talk more throughout the panel specifically about the Gulf Coast, specifically about the opportunities that this region entails. But we'd love to hear from the rest of the panel how you got started, what was that aha moment? It's a little bit of a funny story because it was kind
4: of by accident. I was working for the fifth largest catastrophe management company in the world and I began to realize real quickly how inefficient their processes were and I attended a, an industry conference where the keynote speaker was talking about this thing that was coming about called the internet and he said it was going to dwarf the agriculture and industrial revolutions combined. So my eyes perked up and I thought about the problems that we were having. At the time, 100% of the claims were being handled by paper. So I got the idea, I started formulating a plan, began the business, began working on a business that we could move that process to the internet. I brought it to my company. The two owners sat down with me and said that they wanted to buy into it. So we met a couple of months later to negotiate a deal and they said they wanted 51%. And I said, no, I'm not doing that deal. You know, This is my company, you can get them... Minority investment in it and they said they didn't want to do that deal and I said well where are we and they said well you're going to have to quit. And my wife was pregnant with our first baby and I said well I can't quit. I said you can fire me and I'll get unemployment. So they fired me and I came home from work that day and my pregnant wife opens the door and she said well how did it go? And I said not as expected. (laughs) so you know at that point it was really you had to get it done there was no plan b for me so for the last 20 years i bootstrapped the company we're a very successful profitable company planning to double this year and double again next year so you know it can be done and i'm going to talk a little bit about the relationship between the software and hardware because i think it is really important it's getting more and more important in our industry a lot of the hardwares that are displacing the human capital that's in the field doing the investigations and adjusting of the claim, that's being technology displaced by things like drones, Matterport, I've got a friend of mine here in the audience that has a uh, digital capture device that can go through in a commercial building and he can do what's called a scope, which a scope is what you do to outline and, and take all the measurements and determine the components of the structure and you have to turn that into an estimate to be able to, to be priced out but he's got a product here that within about five minutes he can do the work that would normally take a two person team probably two days. It's a good balance between the hardware and the software there.
3: I can go next. I would say like three things that brought me where I am. So I had an amazing family and everyone got killed, all the people, and then I had my mom, 27 year old and two kids. So no one helped us you know, with anything, and the first time I and my mom, we started a restaurant business, made some money, went to the college. But we sold it, we made profit on that. So that was first time I thought that I could do something in my life. Before that I didn't believe because the country got independence 70 years ago. You basically whenever the country is completely destroyed by foreign ruling, you have to, everyone in the country basically don't believe in themselves because you really have to do a couple of things to believe in yourself. So. That was a moment when I thought that I could do something. And uh, I can build something. Oil and gas, right, like that was destroying the country because we are now quadrupled the population, 300 million to 1.4 billion. But about 20 years ago, it was already close to billion. And then people like schools were shutting down because some of the cities could not breathe air. Like it was a catastrophe back then and now. The schools are shut down more than a month in a year in some cities because it's, it's just really bad environment. I was doing home tutoring because I had no money. So I was basically teaching day and night to make a little bit of money to go to school. And I made some money, I saved it. Then what I did, I started reading about the materials, energy materials. And back then India was really bad in three things. We don't know how to make like anything energy related material. We were the worst in liquor making. And then just for joke, I, I brought that up, just for so that you can smile. And then the third thing, third thing, we don't develop any technology. We go like give all our money to Russia or Germany or some other countries and then buy all the technology and then majority of it doesn't work. So that was the situation. I did triple major bachelors and then masters and then came here, came to Colorado State University. Then my cousin went to Tulane She told me, like, look, this city is not intimidating. As an Indian, you can start your life and then go somewhere. So I thought, like, I came to this city just by hearing those couple of words, and then I loved the city. The food people felt welcomed and uh, never got intimidated. So started my career, and then first time, the first big moment in my life, making words one of the smallest crystal that could have a ferroelectric vortex that was demonstrated by UC Berkeley and it published in Nature, and then I became like a overnight star in making these cubes. Many phone calls, and I got my green card in five days. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then at that point, I thought again, coming out of foreign ruling, I have second tick mark that, okay, I can do something. This time, I can definitely do something. I did three masters, PhD, and I completed all this by 26 years. Came to Tulane, was teaching physics, led the capstone design course, that's when I started talking to some of the entrepreneurs in the town, and then I thought that I can actually talk. I I didn't study in English, so English was a difficult thing for me, but in 2010, 12, it was becoming already that I can speak English. And then I met with folks at Tulane University, licensed the technology, along with some of the, you know, good friends, and then at that point, you know, company was launched in the last five years, we have 30 patents, uh, we raised 33 million. We have half the company from New Orleans either studied or raised here. And then now I don't take any more boxes because I understood that's not the best thing. I need to believe in myself and move forward. So that's where I am.
5: From our side, I think I'd like to point out in terms of the aha moments, uh, Tyler Ortego. Tyler is one of the co-founders of Natrix, and it actually, you know, the first aha moment was the late 90s, early 2000s. Looking at some of the challenges on the Louisiana coast that Justin Aaronworth talked about this morning with erosion. Louisiana doesn't have rock, right? But it does have oysters, and oysters can grow on their own. And it's a lot cheaper to let nature provide those protective solutions. So that was really the first aha moment. And that's been successful. We put out 50,000 tons of oyster reefs and they really work well. They work better than rock, work better than concrete structures, which tend to be brittle they're face with some of these strong storms. The second one was at you know, the idea village really understanding what we're selling, really looking at how do we create a business model that, that solves our clients' issues. So it's good to do things good for nature. It's good to do things good for the climate, but you have to solve a problem that somebody's gonna be willing to pay for. So this is that aha moment, all the, all, the, all the mentor guidance we got at Idea Village was key for us to kind of pivot into a growth business. And then the third is, as we as operationalize our firm and listen to our customers, you know, we've heard a lot about carbon, right? So big energy providers, utilities, oil and gas companies, there's a lack of trust between them and the communities and regulators. And over time, people don't want them to go deploy and develop new natural resources. And so we've gotten a lot of feedback on carbon and the third aha moment is figuring out how to make a negative carbon rock. So we've kind of come full circle where can we help firms with social license, do things cost effectively, carbon negative and habitat positive? Can you protect the coast? Can you protect communities with nature? And I think the answer is yes.
2: A Couple of you've touched on this a little bit, but if we can maybe go around and if you can share with the audience, to what extent has the New Orleans ecosystem impacted your business, and what advice do you have for anyone in this room on how to best engage with the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in New Orleans?
1: i moved over from England, I'm an American citizen now, massive fan of New Orleans, but doing my MBA at Tulane, like meeting all the professors and the faculty at Tulane was a huge catalyst to getting the confidence to doing another one, I think we've talked about that a bit. But you've also got these other great organizations like GNO Inc. LED, Louisiana Economic Development, you do have a lot of support. There are many people in my phone that I can pick up the phone and call, very, very experienced leaders, and they answer the phone. You now, this is not a novel part of New Orleans, so I'm told, with a lot of my friends and ex-colleagues who live around the world, this is a small, you know, it's a big, it's a big city, but it's a very, very welcome town. I think that's the thread we've all touched on. But you've got to be bold and you've got to be able to articulate your problem statement a particular person actually michael heck with GNO, we were in the founding stages i needed to do a meeting with a big client you know, i only had my home office and he lent out their meeting space to have this fant- facilitate this fantastic meeting with this big energy company but again it's just these companies that want to help facilitate success and you can reach out to them whether it's a college whether it's university delgado led Tulane, LSU, UNO, there's just so many of them. And I think that's quite unique about
4: it I'll piggyback on that because I think that is very true of New Orleans and Louisiana in general. So I can't really speak to the rest of the world because I haven't lived there. I've started my business here. I do know the people of Louisiana quite well. Everybody here is resilient and willing to help out. I've never run into anyone that said no when you asked them for help or didn't refer you to a friend when you had a question that they couldn't answer. And I'll tell you a real quick story. Very on in our company's existence, I had an opportunity to go demo our product for a top 10 carrier. And it was in San Antonio. And I was one person company with one developer. And so I was meeting with a panel of about 12 people. So it was a little bit embarrassing, definitely very intimidating. I talked to a buddy of mine, Mark Lewis, who was running the Louisiana Technology Council at the time. And he goes, well, I'll go with you. And I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, you know, give me a business card. I'll go and I'll play like I'm your second employee. So he jumped on a plane and he came over there and he led a lot of the conversation with me. And we didn't get the business, but, you know, it just goes to show the kind of people that we have here in Louisiana. And, you know, you need to reach out. You need to ask for help. And I guarantee you that nobody's going to turn you down. John, you're the same way, buddy. You helped me out tremendously
5: one thing i love about this region is i think that silicon valley in a way has defined what a startup means and i think this region is expanding that and i might be guilty of being a tech bro of sorts i've spent my time on the west coast but i think startups can be much broader than typical fintech medtech b2b software company and we can solve physical challenges, some of these hard tech type solutions and i think there's a lot of openness to that in the gulf coast just because of the legacy and the heritage of the things that have been accomplished in this region. So I, I think that's something that's really special and the investors and the mentors don't shut the door in your face when they, they, they don't hear B2B software or a certain CAC
3: and a certain you know annual subscribers per year. A lot to say. I don't think we have only two minutes, but um, this city got the best logistics. We make one of the world's most dangerous chemicals that are needed f- for this world to run and we ship them very carefully and we have least amount of incidents where we messed up. So I think we know how to handle chemicals really well, better than anybody else. And we can actually solve many energy problems. This state is all about energy. Hospitality, it's the right mix. The formula is working. But now we have a lot of work to do because whoever burns the coal in any any part of the globe or anything someone else mess up, we will have the most impact. If anything is happening, Atlantic, Gulf of Mexico, will be the ones punished. And then we have this uh, current like, you know, infrastructure bill, there is a lot of funding. We all need to work together to get majority of that capital to build our future, because otherwise we'll be facing all sorts of natural disasters and we have some government capital right now available for us to build these businesses. Once we build these businesses and all the gigafactories are happening around, in the southeast part of the country, and then we can grow lots of jobs. But we have work to do. We cannot give all the manufacturing to Asia and then just do distribution here and then think that, oh, we're making money and then we're fine, my family and 10 other families, fine. So we gotta get out of that, we gotta take the responsibility, manufacture, distribute it, solve the global problem. So a lot of work left, but we have the ecosystem to do it.
2: Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for coming and wish everyone a great rest of the afternoon and great rest of the conference.
0: Thank you for listening to Big Easy Ideas. Big Easy Ideas is produced by The Idea Village a nonprofit accelerator that supports startups and cultivates entrepreneurial talent in New Orleans and the greater Gulf South region. By visiting ideavillage.org, you can learn more about how to turn your idea into a thriving business and how to turn your business into a high growth startup. You can also learn more about opportunities to invest in startups, ways to mentor, partner, and support local industry-leading companies. You might also find a job in our region's thriving tech and startup community. The idea is, it takes a village. So visit ideavillage.org to explore how to get involved in the Gulf South's rapidly growing entrepreneurial ecosystem. The music for Big Easy Ideas is by The Young Fellas Brass Band, from their new album, Block Party, which is available now on all streaming platforms. You can find The Young Fellas Brass Band on the streets of New Orleans and at their website, youngfellasbrassband.com That's fellas with a Z Young F E L L A Z Brassband.com. And of course, we want to give a special thank you to all of the sponsors of New Orleans Entrepreneur Week in addition to the year-round donors and supporters of the Idea Village who make this work possible and keep this content accessible to all. And finally, thank you for listening. We can't wait to see you down in the Big Easy. Until next time.